Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Handle the truth. And we can't sometimes. Truth's a moving target in our, it's become a moving target in our culture. Uh, Good luck finding it and seeing it in most places. Um, It's all relative now. Um, But there is a truth about ice cream. Anybody like ice cream besides me? Okay. A couple of truths about ice cream. One is with your favorite flavor, it's about as good a tasting food as you can put in your mouth. Am I right? But yet, a bowl this size at about 10 o'clock at night is going to put 20 pounds on you in about a month. I'm also right about that. Whether we want to admit that or not, that's the truth. Now, as I say, truth is, is sometimes easy to go down, harder to get rid of sometimes, if, if, depending on what we're digesting, what we've heard, what we've let in, what we've allowed past the gate sometimes to be truth. And so if, if there's any question about that, the source is sitting in front of every believer in the, in the form of God's word and in the form of God's spirit guiding each heart, First John 2 says, to all truth. Now, Peter kind of is very abrupt about this today, and Peter's abrupt about a lot of things. Peter was abrupt about, well, you know Peter. I mean, he was just an abrupt guy. He... Um, he stuck his foot in his mouth most times. He had his mouth open when he was with Jesus. But yet here in these, in, in these, these letters, um, he, he's very direct, yet, yet very poignant, and sometimes even, even elegant, which seems really odd for Peter to come across that way. Um, but he's real poignant here about truth and, and about the importance of it. So let's read these few verses together from Second Peter chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 12 and, uh, and read down through the end of the chapter together. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right for you to refresh your memory as long as you live in the tent of this body, because I know that I soon will put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message that something com- as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. I love that phrase, carried along by the Spirit. In fact, some of the phrasing Peter uses in, in both of these letters just totally blow me away because this is the same guy that denied Jesus around the fire, the same guy that pulls the knife out and cuts off the servants here, the same guy that, well, he speaks of the mountain transfiguration here, the same guy on the mountain with Peter, James, he, he and James and John, 
And they were so caught up in the, in the, in, in the, in the intensity of that moment. Let's build three tabernacles here. You know, something like a sixth grader would say. This is cool. Let's capture it. And yet here he is with, with such great maturity and, and sharing with us these, these resounding truths. So let's dig two or three things out of this today, and, and, and I hope you'll hear a challenge to truth. Um, I don't know how you fill in the blank of the title of today's message. The truth, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in a few minutes, by the way. So think about that. The truth will stand when, what? The truth will stand, you've heard, when the world's on fire. And, and it will, and the world will be on fire, and the truth will still be standing. Um, the truth will stand when all else fails. The truth will stand when things get tough. I don't know how you fill in the blank when truth will stand. But it will, and it does, and he speaks to that here. This truth, I want us to see three things about it that he, that he talks about today. The truth that, first of all, stirs our memory. Look at verses 12 to 15 again. <clears throat> so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established. And the truth you now have, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I'll soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I'll make every effort to, uh, or I will make every effort to see that after my departure you'll always be able to remember these things. Look at these three active verbs here. So I will remind you, remind, refresh, and remember in these three verses. Three very, I think, intentional words he uses to say we all need reminder, we all need refreshing, and we all need to remember some things. Um, what things is he talking about? Well, you've got to go back to chapter 1, like where we were last week, to see that he, he tells us in, in verse 10 of chapter 1, make your calling and election sure. Make your election sure, in, in essence, make your relationship sure. Make, make, make the fact that you were chosen by God to be called by him. To, be, to have a sense of purpose and a sense of direction in your life, make those things sure. Make sure your calling is sure. Make sure your election is sure. Make sure you know Jesus. Make sure you know what he wants you to do. And so that's the very thing he's saying that we need to be reminded of and refreshed of and remember on a regular basis. Why? <laughs> well, because John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy and in fact, you remember back in, uh, in 1 Peter when chapter 5 together, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, in fact, he describes the enemy as a lion, a roaring lion roaming the earth, seeking someone to what? Devour. Somebody to eat up. Somebody to totally annihilate. So this thief is coming to steal our joy, to steal, steal the things away from us in relationship that, that gives us a sense of urgency, a, a sense of passion, a sense of purpose. He's come to steal those things, and he's really good at it. He's come to steal those things away, and this, this same person is the lion then that comes to it. Once it's stolen away, well, I'm going to kick you while you're down. I'm going to eat you alive. I'm going to devour you while, you feel, while you're in a low place, while you're in a pit, while you're in a hard spot. I want to devour you to annihilate your desire to get out of that, to see a God who's abandoned you, not a God who's there with you, but a God who, who you're wondering, does he even exist? Is he even there? Does he even know who I am? Um, well, why are these things important? Because we, need, we all go astray. And we need to be reminded when we go astray. And we're all empty. And we need to be refreshed when we're empty. And we're all sometimes unsure. And we need to remember when we're unsure. You see, we're going to go astray. I don't know of a believer who's not. I don't know of a believer who's totally obedient all the time, 24-7. We're going to go astray. And we're going to do some things that don't please our Lord. 
We're going to do some things the enemy will want to use as ammunition over and over and over again. So you can't be a Christian. You wouldn't do that if you're a Christian. You wouldn't have these thoughts if you're a Christian. You wouldn't hang out with him or her if you're a Christian. Christians don't do that, do they? You can't know Christ. We go astray sometimes. And we need to be refreshed and remember and reminded when those things happen. We're unsure sometimes of our salvation. Uh, in my late teen years, I've shared this story with you. You've probably been there before if you know Christ and you've known Christ very long. The enemy comes to you and you say, you know, because you're, you're standing and singing the song in the youth group of, it was on a Thursday, somebody. And you can't remember the day. You're not, you can't be a Christian if you can't remember the exact date and time of day and all that. Can you? Can you really? And here's what I've, as, as I've shared with you my story over the years, and I encourage you to, to absorb it as your own and, ch- and, and, and use it in, in times of doubt. Go revisit the place where you met Christ. I'm, I'm convinced you'll never forget the place you touched him. He touched you, whether that's in the altar or some church, at the foot of your bed in your bedroom, with, at, a, at a camp someplace with a, with a friend, at Young Life, or wherever it is you touched Christ and you guys met for the very first time, you'll never forget that. I'm convinced of that. That'll be a sacred place to you and be seared in your mind. You may not remember the time of day or the day of the week even, but you'll never forget that place. It'll be a holy place to you. And even as I say that now, many of your minds are going back to that place where, where you remember that happening. And so, but we're unsure sometimes, and the enemy attacks that you can't be a Christian if you can't be a Christian because, and we need to remember those things. We need to remember the sense that we're called and the sense that we're elected, the sense that we're chosen. This really has to do, and those two things really have to do with the sense that you are purchased. That's what this idea of election means. And you have purpose. That's what this idea of calling means. So we need to be reminded and remember and refreshed that we do have a sense of purpose because we have been purchased. Because he's purchased us and, and we, he, he owns us. We are, he, he called us, chose us, elected us to offer himself to us. And we know him in relationship because we've been purchased. There is this sense of purpose. So that's what truth does. It stirs our memory toward those things. And we need that from time to time because the enemy's alive and attacks. Secondly, we need a truth that validates our testimony. Look at verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. Peter speaking of his own experience here. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice, physically speaking, with, with his ears, I think, that came from heaven, and we were with him on that sacred mountain. Peter is recalling, recalling here these, these, probably these two instances that, that are, at, as I say, seared in his conscience. He'll never forget them. These two instances that, are, that were very important to him, one being Jesus' baptism, where the Holy Spirit comes down and God, the, the voice of God the Father speaks, this is my son, I'm, I'm well pleased with him. And, he, and then he goes back to say, also, I was with him on the holy mountain. I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm the one who, who spoke first and thought later. Let's build three tabernacles here. Let's try and capture this moment. This is a holy moment. I want to experience it. I want to capture it. I want to keep it. I was there, he's saying. I, didn't, I, I wasn't told about those things. I saw the baptism of Christ. I wasn't told about the Mount of Transfiguration. I was there, and I saw him glorified and transfigured in front of my very eyes. I didn't know what, what to do, how to handle it. And so he's saying to them, there is, there is something of value in an eyewitness. Here's what's of value in an eyewitness. There is this testimony that follows an eyewitness, and, and the early apostles, if you go back in the book of Acts, especially, especially chapter 7, 7, 8, and 9, the early apostles ha- ha- were given great miracle-working power and, and, and great, great healing power and so on and so forth so that 
it was, there, was, there was greater evidence that these folks were the guys who followed Jesus around. In fact, that's what people said about them in the early church. As they would go from city to city, these men have been with Jesus. These men have been with God. Because of their power, sure. But there was something different about them. There was something different about their conversation, something different probably even about their countenance. Why? Because they had been and followed around for three and a half years a, a holy Savior. And they were changed because of it. Peter's saying that very story, sharing with us that very story here to say, I was there. It's not secondhand news to me. My faith is not piggybacked on my mom's faith. It's not piggybacked on my grandmother's faith. Not piggybacked on a friend's faith. My faith is my own. I've seen him. I've witnessed him. I've walked with him. I know him personally. Saw him ascend into heaven. Promised to return. I've seen all of that with my eyes. There's something to be said of someone who's been with Jesus. That validates our testimony to other folks. There should be some evidence in your life, in my life, that we have been with him. If, if many of your parents, and, and Ruth's parent, uh, Ruth's dad is here today, there's no denying that they, those two belong together, that, that one came from the other. You look like, I mean, get, get, get alongside your parents, and you're going to resemble one or two parents or both. There, is, there should be that same resemblance to Jesus. There should be that same sense of, man, he belongs to him. She belongs to him. She looks so much like and resembles and talks like and thinks like and acts like. There should be that same spiritual resemblance as there is the physical resemblance. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? In your workplace, as you see people socially, if you're hanging out at the ball field, where, can that be said of you that, man, something different about them? Now, they may not know that you've been with Jesus, but they know there's something different about you. There, there's something distinctive. There's something that, that, that sticks out, stands out, is different than the rest of our culture. How the rest of our culture looks at things. How the rest of our culture responds to things. You don't respond like everybody else responds. You're not, you're not bogged down the way everybody else is bogged down. You're not on 15 different high blood pressure medicines because of so much stress in your life. We, and, and this, we'll let that go. In fact, rewind all of that and let that... And, de-remember all of that, unremember all of that. But there is, there, is this, there is this sense, or there should be, this sense of, good grief, there's something different about them. I don't know how to put my finger on it, but they, they, they don't respond to life the same way the rest of this culture responds to life. Now, as I say, even if they're not wise enough to say they've been with Jesus like the early church was, Peter says it for himself here to say, I've seen it. I've seen him. I know him personally. And that same evidence ought to follow us. We ought to be a product a reproduction of him. The idea of reproduction is, oh, follows itself over and over all throughout Scripture. He poured into 12 guys, poured even more intently into three guys to reproduce himself, and those 12 changed the world. And those three literally gave us some of the most powerful Scripture that we've ever read before. Why? Because he believed in reproduction. He believed in the fact that our, life need, our lives need to pour into the life of someone else. It's a principle each of us need to follow and live by. Thirdly, not only should the truth stir our memory and validate our testimony, but it should be a truth that's irrefutable. A truth that's irrefutable. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> We've also had have the prophetic message, that, and as something, lo, I love this, underline this, something completely reliable. And you'll do well to pay attention to it. To a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts above all. You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. It wasn't, human, wasn't of human origin. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. It amazes me that, 
in our culture, with, with the great evidence that you and I have, we're still looking for supernatural revelations, aren't we? We're looking for supernatural signs, supernatural experiences, and we have a whole book of supernatural experiences sitting in front of us that we seldom stick our nose into, yet we want the next great revelation. We want to see the next great touch, the next, the next great work of God in our culture, don't we? And we have it. We have the stories. We have, and, 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 and as I said in that last point, it validates our testimony. Our lives should be a testimony of something supernatural. Our lives should be a story of something supernatural, of something that's changed us, something that's caused us to be different, to look at life in a different way. And Peter is saying here that I've seen this. Not only have I seen him, I've read the prophecy. And, and I've seen this, this prophecy fulfilled in the, in the living, breathing, miracle-working, bread-breaking, persecuted, beaten, put to death, resurrected, and ascended Christ. I've seen that. I've seen the prophecy come. All those things were prophesied about. And I've seen all of these things work together. I've seen God's Word mesh with itself with the person, in the person of Jesus. So he's saying here, the prophecy, and he's, he's using prophecy really more or less to say Scripture, the scripture is reliable. He says it's completely reliable. He uses those two words. And you and I should see it as such. We should see it not as just as a source of truth, but the source of truth. The go-to. If there's ever anything in any question about how should I stand? What, what should my position be on this? I need to search this book first of all to find out is there a position on it. And if there's not a sp- position on it specifically of whether I should eat, eat Rocky Road ice cream or butter pecan ice cream, that's, that's my own call. What what? Is the, is, the, is the Holy Spirit leading me one way or another? Is he guiding me to, toward all truth? That's his purpose and his design. That's what he does. So there, there, there's this marriage, he says, of, of prophecy and, and the working of God in all this. And he says, I've seen that. I've looked at it. I've walked in it. So his testimony to us is the testimony you and I need to live, and that's this. In order for this book to come alive, you have to know its author. You have to know the one that it's written about. You have to know the one who jumps off the pages of this book because the only thing that makes the words jump off the page to you, it's great history. It's great truth. Aside from it being a spiritual source and a spiritual book, it's still accurate and it's still true. Regardless of how many people are trying to disprove it and undate it, it's still accurate, it still dates things, it's still true. Absolutely. But because it's a spiritual book, because it is something more than just factual, because it's something more than just insp- uh, information, it's inspiration. Why? Because the Spirit joins himself to this, to this book, to this word. And Peter's saying, I've seen that. The connection of prophecy come al- coming alive in the person of Christ, I could not have seen without the Spirit. The Spirit makes the connections. The Spirit connects the dots for me with God's word. It's a great book, but it ch- it's, it's a life-changing book with the presence of the Spirit and with the power and infusion of God's Spirit bringing its truth, jumping off the page to me, to my own ears and to my own heart, to change my thinking, to change my behavior, to change my attitude about it. Um, You can't, well, we can, but we shouldn't disconnect the Spirit from the Word. They're totally connected always and should be. In fact, Ephesians 6 says, "And and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It meshes these two for us, probably in the clearest picture of Scripture that I know. And to say, the Word is, is in tune with the Spirit. The Spirit is in tune with the Word. If you want a source of truth, always lean on the Word. Always lean on the Spirit. The Word will never be contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit will never lead you to do something that's contrary to the Word. They always work together. And that's how the Word becomes alive and, and, and in, as I say, becomes a book of power instead of a book of, of, of just truth, of just testimony. Um, here's something I want you to hear <clears throat> from me today that's just cultural. And so it's, I won't... 
I'll share what I've shared with you today. I believe is from the Lord for us. What I'm about to share with you is from me, but I still think it's from Him, or I would I wouldn't be led to share it. And that's this, men. This starts with us. Starts with men in our culture willing to recognize, go after, pursue, hold precious, and hold high truth. We need men in our culture to stand for truth, to, and, and and unashamedly stand for truth to say, if I'm alone. Even if I'm apart from the rest of my family sometimes, if I'm alone, I'm standing in this place. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has convinced me this is what's right. This is what's true. It starts with men. And, and you and I, men, you and I need, we need, and our culture desperately needs us to be this because we're floundering. We're fluttering. We're searching for truth. Truth's relative. It's, it's kind of made up on the fly. Why? Because men in our culture have not driven a stake in the ground and said, here's what truth is. And I'm going to stand here. Why? Because I've seen it to be the same testimony of Peter. I've walked this road before, and I've seen it to be true. I've leaned on this book before, and I've seen it come alive. I've listened to the Holy Spirit before, and I've seen him infuse my life with something that I didn't have before. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've walked it. We need men that are willing to say that, to say, regardless whether everybody's with me or nobody's with me, I'm standing in the place of truth. I'm standing in the place of right. And I don't care who sees it. I don't care who knows it. Now, we don't need to be offensive with it and say, hey, you're going to believe this too. But we need to stand for that. There needs to be some sense of, of, of spine among men of faith that, that we're willing to say, here's what God says that is true about our culture and is true for us. And as best I know it, with the mistakes and warts that are, and, and, and scratches and bumps that are on my life, I'm going to live it. I'm going to drive a stake in the ground and the best I know how, I'm going to live it. And I want to encourage you to join me. I want to encourage you to walk with me too. Because men... We're designed to have influence, and we're losing it. We're losing it because we refuse to stand for truth. Well, it doesn't stop with men. Um, Ladies, it it affects you too. It affects the the place you work. It affects how you parent. It affects the kind of wife you are. It affects the kind of woman you are. It affects the kind of mother you are. It affects the kind of friend you are. It affects each of us, and it should. Why? Because it is absolutely true all the time. It is, as he said in verse 19, it is completely reliable. In every circumstance, in every situation, it is completely, totally, always reliable. I've shared with you before, and I'll remind you again today, this book is without error. Why? Because God wrote it, period. Yes, did he use human frailty to do it? Sure he did. But human frailty, and I love this last phrase of the last verse, human frailty and, 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 and human inadequacy and human uh, ineptness sometimes carried along by God's Spirit. In essence, lifted up, not of our own power anymore, but under the power of God, to write, to communicate, to share, to speak, carried along by God's Spirit. Have you ever been in that place? I've been there a few times in my life. I've been here a few times standing right here. Carried along by God's Spirit. If you, if you experience that, kind of like last week I, I shared last week, when you've been, when you've been to the well and you've, and you've tasted the water, you want to go back for another taste. You, wanna, you, you remember that. You recall that. That changed you. Same thing with this idea of, I don't understand what I'm experiencing. And you may experience it in worship here. I hope you do every week. Or even in, the, even in this drab teaching that this guy gives you every week from week to week. But I hope you experience this idea of being carried. Something's, something's buoying me. Something's lifting me up beyond what I'm capable of doing myself. I, don't, I didn't come in here with a, desi- with a desire to feel the way I'm feeling here today. I didn't come in here. I, I came in here with a desire to... Okay, bless me. You know. So, I, but what I'm experiencing, what I'm leaving with is something totally different. 
That's the Spirit of God at work. That's how He works. That's how He picks us up and carries us along in times of joy, in times of worship, in times where the pit is where we are too, in times when it's hard, in times when life's dark, in times when you don't know whether one step goes in front of the other, in times when I can't pay my bills, in times when when, when I don't know, you know if, if this relationship's going to be intact, when, when times when my marriage is struggling, when time, he, is, he is the one who carries us along in all of that, in both good and bad, in both hard and easy. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's Peter's testimony here today and should be ours. Well, let me share a, a couple of challenges with you, and we're done. One is this. What is truth to you? What is truth to you? Pilate asked that question. Um, Jesus was, was brought before him, as you know, it, during, during the trial. And um, if you want to turn to, to, to John chapter 18, 30, verses 37 and 38, where this account is. But <clears throat> he's asking Jesus in verse 37, <clears throat> Are you, you're a king then. So you're a king. And Jesus answered, you say I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world, listen to what Jesus said. The reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Great message there. Everyone on the side of truth, he says, listens to me. Here's Pilate's response. What is truth? What in the world is truth? You came to testify to the truth? What is truth? I don't get it. And I'm the judge. I'm the governor. I'm the one that decides right from wrong. What in the world is truth? You think, you think an eroding, decaying, relative truth is something new? No. It existed in Jesus' day. Pilate wanted, wanted to answer the same question. What is truth? Is there anything that I can bank on 100% of the time that I know is going to be there every time? Every time. And Jesus says, I'm that one. I came to testify to the truth. Why? Because I am the truth. I am the truth. The word was made flesh and dwelt among men. And we beheld his glory, glorious of the Father, full of grace and full of truth, this perfect balance. He says, that's who I am. I'm st-. And, and it was standing right in front of Pilate. Truth was st- standing him face to face. Couldn't see it. Couldn't recognize it. Why? His spiritual eyes were darkened. His heart was darkened. He wasn't ready, wasn't prepared to, to, to receive the very person and the very thing that was standing in front of him. Sadly, oftentimes we aren't either. And sadly, not only is our culture not, it's trending to where it don't, it's not even open. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot said and done in the, in the name of tolerance. I want to tell you what our culture is intolerant of is your relationship to Jesus. They're tolerant of a lot of things, tolerant of God even. But your relationship to Jesus, you better keep to yourself because they're intolerant of that. And so... Here was this truth standing in front of Pilate, and, he, and one of the sharpest men of his, of his day, Pilate says, what is truth? Can't even see it. And right there it was. Are you and I that blind? Are you and I that dark? Um, well, I hope not. I hope, I hope there's some clear answers when, that question, when I ask that question. What is truth to you? What's it look like to you? I hope you can nail some things down very quickly in your mind. Here's what it is. Secondly, and here's the challenge, and, and this is, Maybe a little bit controversial to you, but <clears throat> here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Whatever it is, whatever truth is to you, sell out to it. Chase it. Go find it. If, if truth to you looks like whoever dies with the most wins, 
If that's what truth looks like, if that's your truth, then you chase that and see where that leads. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be circling back sooner or later. If truth to you looks like a dab of this, a dab of that, give me, give me a little Christianity, give me a little, little uh, New Age mysticism, give me a little, and here's, here's the new religion of our day, give me a little environmentalism. That, that's the new religion of our day, I believe. Uh, my opinion, feel free to make it yours. But, but that's, that's, that's an emerging almost religion in our culture. And, so, and sadly, many believers, and please, please don't hear judgment, and please don't hear in, in that statement that we need to trash the earth, and that's, that's not what I'm about at all. But, but the Lord was clear in Genesis when he said, all that you see, and he's t- t- my words now, I'm paraphrasing, all that you see, all is in front of you, every animal, every plant. You have dominion over it. The earth is for you, not you for the earth. You're not here to worship the earth. I put the earth here for you, for you, for your use. You're to have dominion over it. So that's my little environmental, environmentalism message today. But whether, we, whether we're grabbing a little of this, a little of that, a little of the other, if that's truth to you, then you chase it to the end of it and see where it leads. In fact, go chase all of its origins and see where all that started. And then chase that down and see where that leads. You know where I'm, what I'm convinced of? You'll circle back. If truth to you is, we're all good, aren't we? We're all good. We're all, in, in the everybody gets a trophy world, we're all good. I mean, we're all, we're all worthy somewhat, aren't we? We're all, uh, we, everybody goes to heaven, don't we? We're all, good, the goodness back. Chase that down. Chase the source of it. Chase it out to the end of itself. You know what I'm convinced of? You'll circle back to real truth. And that kind of leads me to, to this final one, and that is if, if truth to you is a relationship with the son of the God of the universe, the son who created it all, the son who was there to speak life to it, to give it form and design to what the Father spoke into existence. If, if it's a relationship, then sell out to that. Whatever, whatever truth is to you, and you need to define that for yourself. I can't. That's, that's between you and God. Whatever truth looks like for you, sell out to it for a change and see where that goes. Sell out to one of these things I've shared with you or, or, your, or your own definition. But if, it's, if, if truth to you is a relationship with the son of the God of the universe, then sell out to that for a change and see where that goes. See what God does with that. You know what, I, what I'm convinced of? We're going to come back to the same place Peter came back to. He says, I've, I've been on the mountain. I've seen the glory come down. I've seen the real thing. And I've seen how God's word comes alive with God's spirit. I've seen those two, two, two things mesh, and I'm choosing to walk in that place. Why? Because I've been with the king. I've walked with him. I know him. He's, he and I are, we have a relationship. It's not just somebody that I talk about and think about and pray to from a distance and pick up and hope he says something to me. He's spoken to me. He's changed me. He's changed my direction, changed my attitude, my spirit, my heart, my desire, my motive, my purpose. My calling and election are sure. I know that. And that's why I'm moving in this direction. I've been convinced of it because Peter headed in another direction. Willingly headed in another I don't know him. I don't I don't know him. I don't I don't I really don't know him. I don't know who you're talking about. He went in another direction, willingly, of his own accord, circle back to truth. You know why? Because Jesus changed him. Changed him forever. He changes us forever. And that ought to be evidence of how we live how we speak, the attitudes we portray, uh, the truth we live by. Uh, if that's truth to you, then sell out to it. Figure out 
this is, I'm putting my eggs in this basket. This is where I'm living. This is how I'm making decisions. This is how I'm handling money. This is how I'm handling marriage. This is how I'm doing relationships. This is how I'm working. This is how I'm doing my, sell out to it and see what God does with that. I, I, I challenge you, you you're going to see incredible, miraculous, supernatural results. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.